If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Yesterday we talked a lot about uh, Elon Musk. Today he's making news again, apparently, according to newspaper reports. Uh, he's going to be at uh, DeSanctus' side when he announces for president against Donald uh, Trump. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that develops within the Republican Party and what role um, uh, Elon Musk will, will play. Uh, once we hear the statements that will be made tomorrow, um, obviously, we can uh, talk about that on, on this show. But today I wanted to talk about another Trump-related issue, which is a little bit more general than just Trump. Having won part of her case against Donald Trump, um, um, E. Jean Carroll has now kind of doubling down and piling on. She's asked the judge to expand her defamation lawsuit against him to include what he said after the trial was over on CNN and other places about her lawsuit. Essentially, she's claiming that she was damaged because he disagreed with the jury verdict and said, no, not only didn't I rape her, I didn't touch her, I didn't assault her, I was never in a in a changing booth with her. The only time I was ever with her was uh, when she posed for a picture with me on a line. And as a result of that, the lawsuit is going to be expanded, at least if the judge allows it, he probably will, uh, to include these post-trial developments. That raises a fundamental issue under the First Amendment, an issue that I've wanted to talk about for a long time, an issue that involved me as well when I was uh, falsely accused. When I was falsely accused, I immediately denied it and said there was no truth to it um, and uh, issued all kinds of challenges uh, and presented all kinds of evidence as an innocent person should should do. I did that. Uh, as a result of that, um, my, my false accuser, um, uh, sued me for defamation. Um, and I asserted a First Amendment right. I believe that every American has the right to proclaim uh, his uh, innocence. Um, and um, it goes back to Aaron Burr, who uh, proclaimed his innocence. Uh, even though the jury ultimately didn't find him innocent, they found it not proven when he was charged with uh, treason. Um, in any event, I think that if somebody accuses any American of any crime, uh, of any misconduct, the person accused has a constitutional right to say, I didn't do it. And to go further and to say, I didn't do it, she's wrong, or if, if it's the case, uh, she's making it up. Uh, and as long as the person honestly believes that, um, that should be an absolute defense under the First Amendment. It's, it's a historic defense. I didn't do it. You know, it's, it's a defense that two-year-olds do if they're accused of, 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 you had the cookie. No, I didn't do it. It's part of human nature. 
Uh, now, sometimes people falsely deny it. Sometimes, like in my case, they truthfully uh, deny it. As I've said from the beginning, I don't know what went on, if anything went on in that changing room in Bergdorf, uh, Goodman, the jury came back with a split verdict. Uh, no, they didn't believe her explicit, specific testimony that she was raped, that Donald Trump inserted his penis into her vagina. Let's be specific about that. That's what she said. The jury said, no way, we don't believe that. The jury said that unanimously. But then the jury also said, but he touched her and he assaulted her and he defamed her. So does Donald Trump have the right to say, he certainly has the right to say, I didn't rape her and the jury so found. But does he have the right to say the jury was wrong about the rest of it? I didn't touch her. I didn't know her. Um, we had a picture together, but I didn't know who she was. Pictures are taken by about famous people. By everybody. Yeah, people come over to me in the street and say, can you pose for a selfie? Yeah. And I say, yeah. Little do I know, 20 years from now, I was like, oh, my God, I knew him. I met him. I, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, uh, I think there is a constitutional right, and there should be a constitutional right to deny an accusation if you honestly believe that the accusation is false, even if the jury ultimately comes back and says you're wrong. I have to tell you, if I had gone to trial and a jury had come out against me, it would never have happened because there was no evidence. But I would continue to assert my innocence uh, to the day I died. And after that, my children would assert my innocence. And after that, my grandchildren. And after that, my great-grandchildren. That's an inherent, essential right that everybody, everybody should, should have. But the case is going to be an interesting one because um, if she sues and increases her lawsuit and sues him based on the jury verdict, maybe he could sue her based on the jury verdict. Um, after all, she said that she was raped. And the jury said, no, we don't believe you. Uh, we find that you weren't raped. So is her statement that she was raped now defamation against Donald Trump if she said it out of court, either before or after the verdict in, in the case? Um, that would be an interesting issue, too. The other interesting issue is what are the damages? She's already gotten $5 million based on the very same defamation. The fact that he repeated it on television. What if he had said, as I've previously said, as I mostly said, as I previously said, I had nothing to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how do you measure damages? Once you've imposed damages, how do you find new damages based on a repetition of an old thing? It's not as if different people saw it. It's the same people who saw it. The CNN interview was watched by the same people who saw the CNN news uh, previously and, and saw him uh, deny it. But for me, the most fundamental issue is not the technical issue about whether you can have additional damages based on repetition of statements you've already been found liable for, whether that's a, a form of kind of civil double jeopardy, or if even if not, what are the additional damages? Dollar? I don't know. Um, but to me, the core issue is that every American should have a right under the First Amendment to say no. I didn't do it. I'm innocent, regardless of what the jury finds. We know jury verdicts are wrong. How do I know that? 
I've made a living for the last 60 years arguing that jury verdicts are wrong. In almost every one of my cases, the jury has ruled against my client, and then I win on appeal. Um, sometimes I win an appeal based on a lack of evidence. Sometimes I win an appeal based on constitutional violations. But I win on appeal, and the jury verdict is thrown out, and my client walks free. Um, and if my client denied it, uh, particularly if it was a crime against somebody, he has the right to do that. That should be judged by the court of public opinion, not by courts of law. People are entitled to come to whatever conclusion. Historians are entitled to come to any conclusion. Take, for example, the O.J. Simpson case. I just did an interview today for a documentary film on the O.J. Simpson case, and they asked me, do I think O.J. Simpson was guilty or innocent? And of course, I told them that the Benjamin Netanyahu story when he was first elected prime minister and he called me into his office and we talked, we schmoozed, we took pictures. And then he took me aside and said, Alan, I need to ask you something in, in confidence. And then he said to me, I thought he was going to ask me about Iran or the Palestinians. He said, did OJ do it? And I said, Mr. Prime Minister, does Israel have nuclear weapons? He said, you know, I can't tell you that. And I said, well, I, I can't tell you that. Uh, but, you know, the jury found OJ Simpson not guilty. Historians have the right to say he was guilty. Uh, the jury found Leo Frank guilty. Historians have said he was not guilty that John Conlon or whatever Jim Conlon was was the guilty uh, uh, person. You know, historians have, have found many instances of um, erroneous jury verdicts. Ethel Rosenberg was not guilty. Julius Rosenberg was, um, and but he wasn't guilty of giving atomic the atomic bomb to, to Russia. They already had it through Klaus Fuchs and others. So, you know, there's, there's facts and history on the one hand. There's a jury verdict on the other hand. A jury verdict is not conclusive of history. It concludes a case. It's based on the evidence presented by the case and the jury instruction. But you can't deny history. And if a person has been falsely convicted or falsely found liable, for a crime that he believes or a tort that he believes he didn't commit, he should have a complete right to deny it. People can say, all right, we don't believe you. And, you know, very often people aren't believed that they're accused. Uh, there are some people who didn't believe me in my case. They obviously now acknowledge that everything has changed since uh, uh, the accuser herself admitted that she may have um, mistaken me for somebody else. But but at the time it happened, people were saying, we believe it. No, women tell the truth. Uh, women uh, don't lie, men lie. Uh, so people were entitled to make that wrong conclusion, which I think I clearly disproved beyond any doubt by my evidence. And I asserted my innocence from day one. But people have the right to make different determinations. And, and the point that I want to make is that jury verdicts are not verdicts of history that uh, we have seen so many situations where juries have ruled one way or judges have ruled one way or kings have ruled one way. And, uh, and um, uh, you know, history has, has proved them different. Start with Jesus. Um, Christianity is based on the notion that the Romans falsely uh, accused and convicted uh, Jesus of, of, of a crime. And uh, um, the same is true of so many other uh, leaders, religious leaders, lay leaders, Joan of Arc, you name it. 
Um, uh, so so uh, what's the harm? What's the harm of interpreting the First Amendment as allowing people who are accused to say, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Um, you know, in the criminal context, you don't even have to say you didn't do it. If you walk into court, having been accused of mass murder, and you say nothing, the court enters a plea of not guilty. Uh, unless you say, after being advised of counsel and being advised of all your rights, unless you say, I'm guilty, I did it, the presumption stands of innocence until there's a jury verdict the opposite way. The historical verdict, the verdict of history, may stand despite a jury verdict the other way. So let's never confuse history and facts on the one hand with legal conclusions on the other. The law has to come to some decision if there's a lawsuit or if there's a criminal charge. They have to decide one way or another. History doesn't. You know, it was a famous statement that Henry Kissinger used to love to cite when um, I think it was Mao Tung, maybe it was somebody else, um, who said in, in the 1950s or 60s was asked the question, was the French Revolution a success? And Mao said, too early to tell. It's too early to tell. Uh, was the Russian Revolution a success? I think it's not too early to tell. It was a, an utter, utter, utter failure. Uh, French Revolution is a harder case. Um, so history is an ongoing search for truth. It's what I call the truthing process. And the truthing process shouldn't be deterred by, uh, by um, the courts allowing people to be sued for simply denying. Now, you may argue Trump went further than denying it. He said she made it up, but that's just a form of denial. Uh, never met her. That's a form of, of, of denial. I mean, if you go really, really far afield and talk about things that are demonstrably false, that hurt somebody beyond the denial, okay, I can understand perhaps there being the possibility of defamation action there, but surely not from a, a mere uh, denial. And this case may backfire. Um, not likely with this particular atmosphere and this particular judicial system, but in theory, it could backfire because Trump could then sue her for saying that he raped her uh, because the jury found that he didn't rape her. The jury didn't find reasonable doubt. That's not the criteria in a civil case. The jury found he didn't rape her. That's the finding in a civil case. He didn't rape her. The burden of proof is just, you know, 50.0001 to 49.99999. That's a finding that it didn't happen. It's a strange verdict um, because they believe part of what she said, but obviously didn't believe part of what she said. And she was very clear. There wasn't anything ambiguous about her testimony. He pulled down her pants and inserted his penis in her vagina by force against her will and without her consent. That's her testimony. The jury said, no, that didn't happen, um, notwithstanding her testimony. And if she says it did happen, can Trump now sue her uh, in a new lawsuit? Uh, could he count to sue her if the judge allows her statements 
post-verdict to come in. Can he amend his complaint and countersue? These are all technical legal issues that uh, require more knowledge of the pleadings than I currently have. But the big issue is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if she can sue based on a jury verdict that um, says that he did sexual assault her, can she? Can he sue her based on a jury verdict that he didn't uh, rape her? Well, stay tuned. Uh, we'll see. Um, I don't think these cases necessarily make the best law. Hard cases make uh, bad law. I'm involved in another potential defamation case now, not personally, but some of you may know that uh, Christine Amapour, the very biased um, uh, foreign uh, correspondent of CNN described a horrible murder by terrorists of uh, the wife of a rabbi in Israel and his two young daughters who were just driving home and terrorists came out and shot them dead in their car uh, with no provocation. How did Christine Amapour, who always sees moral moral equivalence between terrorists and victims she looked into the camera and she just lied and she said that these two innocent girls and their mother were killed in a shootout a shootout boom boom both sides an exchange of fire the the, the duel at okay corral a shootout no it wasn't a shootout it was a cold-blooded murder and for days after knowing that she had done this, she didn't apologize. Then she sent a mealy mouth apology to the rabbi, the survivor, but refused to apologize in public. But when he threatened to sue and would, I said I would pro bono represent him against CNN, who I'm suing uh, as well. But when I said I would represent him and other lawyers said they would represent finally she got on television and hardly refusing to look in the camera, basically, um, made a mealy mouth forced apology that nobody believed came from the heart. It came from the pocketbook. And uh, so we're now exploring the possibility of going after CNN. This is part of a pattern. Amapur particularly, but CNN in general, often sees moral equivalence between those who fired the rockets and those who fired back after they fired the rockets or uh, terrorists who, who murdered innocent civilians and their victims. CNN has had a long policy and a long practice of trying to create that moral equivalent. So I don't believe that Christine Amapur made a slip. If she did, it was a, a Freudian slip. And it was a slip that was consistent with what she said over the years. So I've issued a challenge to her. The challenge is you've made many mistakes in reporting on the Middle East. Show us one mistake you ever made that favored Israel. You can't, because every mistake she's made, as far as I know, the ones I've seen, have all favored uh, the Palestinian side and the terrorists, never the innocent victims of terrorism. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. We'll see whether we sue, if so, for what? Defamation, emotional damage, where we sue. Um, uh, you can sue anywhere. CNN, you can sue in Israel, you can sue in England, uh, it's a worldwide uh, network and people all over the world saw uh, Amapur's lies. So 
we'll see what happens, but I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there to hold them responsible. Oh, I couldn't wait to get Amapur on cross-examination and ask her about her long history of lying about Israel. But uh, we'll see if that happens. So stay tuned. All right. Let's turn to some questions. Uh, the first is, a, is an interesting, just, just um, general letter. Uh, your words of music to my ears. I am 85 years old, same age, and have been interested in politics since I was a page in the White House and Senate in 1954, 1956. That's why I read this article. It's interesting. And graduated from Capitol Page School. As you know, politics was less extreme then. It was normal to be friends with people who differed with one. Uh, it was normal to compromise for the national good. I feel the country has lost its way and the media are no longer objective or credible. Patriotism is denigrated. Bigotry is in fashion. Racism has been reborn and fostered by the Democrats, the party taken over by suspect, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, no, I tend to agree. And I want to thank you for your service being a page. That must have been great. Must have been great fun. It's nice to be 85 years old and look back uh, 60 or so years and reminisce about the days when you were a page in the Senate and the House. So may you live a long and healthy life. Um, okay, next question. I want to hear Dershowitz defend God. I'd love that mock trial. The idea is gold in the screaming age. And it's actually interesting. Well, I would have done it at Temple Emanuel if they hadn't banned me. Uh, everybody loved the trials that uh, I did, but the rabbi didn't have the guts to stand up to his corrupt uh, board uh, and the chairman of his board, who has had a terrible history in selling products that have damaged, hurt, and killed people. So he's not a rabbi. He's a he's a uh, administrator. He's uh, you know the guy who makes the sermons. But a real rabbi stands up to his board and says, uh, our congregants want to hear Dershowitz defend God, defend Abraham, defend Moses. Well, you're not going to hear it, Temple Emmanuel. Instead, you're going to have Peter Beinhart get paid $25,000 for denying that Israel has the right to exist as the nation state of the Jewish people. Your loss. Okay, well, maybe we'll do television someday and do a trial of God. That would be very, very interesting. I think we get a hung jury. Uh, we'll see. Uh, oh, here's a correction. Okay. Captain Marvel, my favorite guy. And by the way, somebody wrote me that he was named, he was, he was modeled on Fred McMurray. Okay. So Captain Marvel uh, was created by Wiz Comics. It was never a Marvel property. I didn't know that. Uh, Wiz were exhausted when DC sued them for creating a character too close to Superman. They weren't close at all. Come on. They, they were totally different. Shazam, Krypton. You have to understand comics. Uh, you know, it was like the Yankees and the Dodgers. They're not close. They're both baseball teams. They're both superheroes. But they are as different as possibly could be. Uh, Wiz won the case. Uh, Popeye had super strength before Superman, but eventually went bankrupt. Uh, Marvel bought the name and created a whole new alien character, DC later introduced Captain Marvel in Shazam comics, and today he's pictured in the Shazam movies. I haven't liked the Shazam movies. I can't decide whether to be serious or funny or hokey or uh, camp. Um, so I think I'd like to see a movie based on the real Captain Marvel. Billy Batson, Freddie Friedman, Captain Marvel Jr., Mary Marvel, 
Shazam. Uh, how many people know what Shazam stands for? Um, you know, all the guards, the gods of, uh, of, of Greek uh, literature, Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, uh, I don't know, Athena, Mercury. I think that's what Shazam stands for. Boy, that goes back a long time. Um, but uh, I, I bring back the real Captain Marvel. You got me at least one reader. Um, Mr. Dershowitz, in an episode some time ago, you seemed to dismiss natural law. I did. Uh, the Declaration of Independence mentions the law of nature and of nature's God in the very first sentence. Was Thomas Jefferson misguided? Yes, he was. Uh, he, I don't know if he was misguided or just had to invoke natural law. He couldn't invoke positive law. Under positive law, what he did was treason. Uh, he lived in colonial America, governed by British law, and British law made what he did treason. So we had to invoke nature's God, natural law. You know, natural law is not something you can, you can find or agree on. What is nature's law? Nature's law is lions eat, um, you know, uh, baby um, deer. Uh, natural law uh, for thousands of years involved men raping women because they were stronger and they could. Uh, I've never understood how you can derive law from 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 nature. Uh, great philosophers a long time ago said you can't confuse the is with the ought. Uh, you can't confuse what nature is, that's Einstein, with what the law created by human beings is. You know, part of the confusion is that the English language uses the same word law to describe what Einstein found, E equals MC squared, and what Jefferson wrote um, when he was passing laws, or Madison wrote, in the Constitution, the same word, law. In many foreign languages, there's a different word um, for law and for physical rules. Um, and so part of the confusion grows out of the linguistic equation that English law makes, but other, other countries and other languages don't. But I do not believe in, in natural law. I think law is uh, made by human beings. But by the way, that gets us to another controversy, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Texas either has or is about to pass a law requiring the Ten Commandments be placed in every single school in Texas. Well, I have a couple of questions. Which Ten Commandments? The Jewish version, the Catholic version, the Protestant version. There are three different versions of the Ten Commandments. People were killed over which version of the Ten Commandments is is uh, is the correct version. Even in the Ten Commandments in the Bible, the words change. Uh, there's a, a Hebrew prayer, in one commandment, God uses two words, one in the book of Exodus and the other in the book of Deuteronomy. There's never going to be agreement. And do we want our children to really learn the second or the third commandment, depending on how you count? That is, God will impose the punishment for the sins of fathers on children for four generations? No, no. Uh, Thomas Jefferson may have believed in natural law, but he strongly opposed the Ten Commandments, particularly that commandment. He said America is built on the assumption that guilt is individual, not transmitted 
from generation to uh, generation. We do not need religion in the schools because then we have to pick which religion. And what about if you're Muslim? What about if you're Buddhist? What about if you're Hindu? Uh, do you have to introduce their commandments? Um, by the way, under Jewish law, there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is a Christian concept. In, in Hebrew, the word is aseret hadivrot, ten statements, because the first is not a commandment. I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. That's not a commandment. That's a statement purportedly of history. So uh, Jews don't use the term Ten Commandments. They use the term Ten Statements, it's Ten Representations, uh, which include the first and most important one, that God exists and he took the Jewish people out of Egypt. So why do we have so much division in this country? Do we have to divide Catholics from Protestants? Do we have to divide uh, fundamentalist, uh, evangelical Protestants from other Protestants? Do we have to divide them all from Jews? Do we have to divide Jews uh, among conservative uh, reform and uh, orthodox? Let's bring people together. Ten Commandments is divisive, not uniting. I, I can understand putting a sign on the school, do not murder, do not rob. By the way, do not rape is not among the Big Ten. Do not commit adultery is because that's a crime against the man. But do not rape, a crime against women, isn't included in the imperfect Ten Commandments. If I were rewriting the Ten Commandments, I'd put rape in there and I'd take adultery out. But uh, hey, that's not, that. I didn't write them. That, that God wrote them. So if I do put God on trial, that's one of the things I'm going to ask him on cross-examination. Why didn't you include rape? And why do you include adultery? Is it because you're a man, God? And you think that adultery committed by a wife is worse than a man raping a woman? Do we really need these kinds of controversies in our schools today? We have enough problems with transgender bathrooms, with People not talking to each other, depending on whether they're conservatives or liberals. Let's keep religion out of the school. Let's keep politics out of the school. Let's keep race out of the school. Let's go back to the day when schools teach you mathematics and history and geography and geometry. Let's go back to a time when school is not propaganda. The right wants the school to propagandize on religion. The left wants the school to propagandize on racial equality and diversity and all of that. I don't want any of that. I want schools to teach you how to think, not what to think. See you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.